Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to share a success story. This is Derek Bingham, and he is a friend of the show. He's on a ton of the live streams that I do on Fridays over on YouTube, and his story is he's making over $2,300 per month with less than 90 posts. At the time that this goes live, he may actually have 90 posts, but the fact is he's making a lot of money with not a ton of content and even less traffic than you would expect. So he shares that in the interview today. I do want to mention that this episode is brought to you in part by Ezoic. Ezoic has a new site speed accelerator and basically it helps your site load faster. It figures out what is causing the site to load. <clears throat> Whoa. It's like I'm going through puberty there and it's a live read. So I'm just going to let it fly. It helps you, you know, focus and listen to what I'm saying when I make a huge mistake like that. Let's start again. Thanks to Ezoic and pardon my, you know, puberty that is hitting me in my middle life here. All right. Basically, the site speed accelerator will speed up your slow loading pages. It figures out what is messed up, what is making the site load slowly, what the page is doing. Sometimes things need to be optimized. Sometimes that CSS needs to be minified. And sometimes those images are too big or maybe you need to load them in a lazy way. You can check out the free seven day trial for the site speed accelerator with Ezoic. And they are so confident in the product and they will guarantee that you get a 80 or higher with the Google PageSpeed Insights score after one week with the Site Speed Accelerator. So give it a shot. And by the way, if you have any issues setting it up, if there are any questions that you have, the support with Ezoic is excellent. So just reach out. They're obviously trying to get people to use this tool and see how well it works. So if you do have any questions, any issues at all, reach out to the support channel that you know pops up and you will be able to get help. And if you don't, just let me know because I know people at Ezoic that will be able to help you out. And by the way, it works for affiliate sites or any other kind of site that you have. So if you have an enterprise site or an e-commerce site, or maybe your clients have e-commerce sites, you can use it. It doesn't have to be WordPress. It will work with any host or theme or CMS. And the thing is Ezoic worked with Google to figure out what they needed to do to make this tool awesome. So go check it out, free seven day trial. And I think I recovered pretty good after a pretty rough start with that little read there. So thank you to Ezoic. And I'm not gonna ramble on on the front end of this episode because there's such good value that Derek brings to the table. The only thing that I'll mention is there is an upcoming free challenge. So if you are listening to this before June 1st, 2020, you can get into this free challenge that I'm running. I talked about it a lot in the last episode. And basically, we're going to go through some of the steps that you need to consider when you want to start a site that is earning from multiple streams of revenue so that you'll have more of a defensible business. I was a, caught a bit with my pants down with, I guess I was just in bed with Amazon, right? So Amazon affiliate marketing, that's all I was doing. That's all I was talking about. 
I was actually I was doing more than just Amazon affiliate marketing, but that's all that I was talking about, and that's all that my course was really covering. So when Amazon changed their commission rate in April, I needed to do more stuff. So I am doing more stuff. And in fact, right after, I mean, I'm doing research too, and I'm going to be launching a course at the end of this challenge. I will be building a live site, which I've never done inside the course. So I'll do that inside the course. So you'll, you can see exactly what I'm doing, how I'm formatting the content. And it is risky. There's a chance it's not going to work at all. There's a chance it's going to get hit with negative SEO. It'll work on some level. There's, I mean, there's very low chance that it's not going to work at all, but it could get hit with negative SEO. People could copycat it and all those sorts of things, but I'm going to be building the site inside the new course. So you'll want to hopefully check out the challenge if you're catching this in time. If not, you'll be, still be able to probably get to that material. It just won't be going on live. So let's hear the interview with Derek. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here from Niche Site Project and The Doug Show. I almost forgot where I was from. I was like, hey, I'm Doug from <laughs> wherever, from Earth. I'm here with my friend Derek. How are you today? I'm doing good, Doug. How are you? Doing awesome and pumped to have you here. You've been very active on some of the YouTube live streams recently, which is awesome. I love seeing people in the chat. The coolest part mm -hmm. is you've been sharing results, and that's why we're talking today. Because you've you started a site about nine months ago, you've seen awesome, awesome traffic and income. So we're gonna get into some of those details now. I like to start off a lot of times just hitting like what's your revenue numbers for the last month or so, and traffic numbers as well, and then we'll we'll pull it apart and learn about you and learn about your site. So, what are the results? As of last month, I, a little bit over twenty five hundred. I shared those results with you. So I think you, you've seen some screenshots of that. And in terms of traffic, I've been getting uh, roughly about 200 and, 200 and changes. So people per day, and that's been pretty consistent. It's been going from 250 maybe uh, to maybe like in the 190s or so, kind of up and down little spikes here and there. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And just for people's reference, we're recording this like in early May of 2020. So COVID-19 is going on. Amazon just changed their commission rates and we're kind of in a different time. So I know you, you were you were looking to hit maybe even higher revenue, but it has right. the Amazon commission rate changes have hit your revenue a little bit. So how do you feel right. about that right now? Like I, I know we exchanged a couple mm -hmm. of emails, but can you just share like what you felt like when you saw that email come down? Well, when I when I saw the email come down, just like everybody else, I was concerned because things it's it's, it's changing, you know, and um, it kind of it kind of puts you in a position, and you're either gonna fold because of these changes, and you know, just hey, forget it, I'm gonna go ahead and sell my website, and maybe try something else, just work a regular job, or you're gonna look at the fact that you're you're in a position that a lot of people are not, and I think that's more in the line of what people have to realize right now. Like you have, let me just talk to you guys for one second. Um, you don't mind, up here. The thing is, is this. I think people right now, there's a lot of people that visit your site regularly and we all attend your live streams because to me, it's 
kind of it's one of the best business podcast live streams online period now, i'm not just saying that because you're you know you're interviewing me now but i really attend these live streams and and you are putting people in a position to do your courses that we are we are in a, in a great position that we are now professionals and i haven't i haven't honestly i haven't taken doug's course but i followed doug for a long time he came friends with him and he's given so many gems that you can't help but learn from him so with that being said you the course that he's teaching he's putting you in a position that you're a professional and that mindset that you're a professional that you have an opportunity that not most people have right now then the fees the fee changes from amazon shouldn't be that big of a problem because now you can take knowledge that you have and use that to your advantage and that's more or less the mindset that I personally have in terms of what is my potential beyond Amazon one takeaway that I um, I would say that I've learned excuse me I've learned from this experience is that yeah it, it hits you a little bit when it hits you in your pocket but you're either going to be a badass or you're going to fall it's like one or the other. Which one are you going to be? Right now is the time where you're going to be exposed. And it's not that the world is watching you. It's that we're watching ourselves. What's going to be our biggest takeaway from this that's going to put us in a position to go to the next level? And for me, that is looking at other opportunities, just not just with Amazon, Amazon but outside of Amazon. And I guess we'll talk more about that a little later in, in, in the show. But, you know, that's kind of where I stand with, with everything in the Amazon changes. Awesome. Well, number one, I think you're 100% right about my show being so good. You know, I have to take credit for that. But but you make you make great points. I'm of course being uh, you know sarcastic there, but I appreciate the compliment. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, you've picked up skills. You can do stuff now, and you have options. You have traffic on your website, and you know how to build a website. You've been doing this for a little while, which we're going to get into some of the details. So love to jump into the results to make sure people know that they should listen to you, Derek. So let's back up before we dissect your site and talk about it. And who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? All that stuff. <laughs> Originally from New York, I've been in um, Georgia since 2006. And um, current, I currently, I do have a, a day job. I work in, a, in the IT field. I work for a global tech company in, in, in Buckhead. Outside of that, I spend an awful lot of time working on websites. That's, that's kind of my passion. It's what I go to sleep thinking about, what I wake up thinking about, um, websites. So, yeah, awesome. that's a little bit about me. And you and I connected like way back when I got started. I don't know if you started yeah. around the same time in 2013. Is that about the same? Yeah, we're around about that time. Around cool. about that time. Yeah. Um, so we've we've been in touch kind of, and we kind of fell off and did some other stuff. I mean, it's been seven years, so it's been a while. But <laughs> has it been did, that long? It's that oh, was God, 2013. Yeah, it's been a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So you, um, you're in the, the area that I grew up in. And when I was back in Georgia this last time, in I guess uh, the last few months, you, you weren't able to come to the meetup. So next time we're in yeah, Atlanta, I got to do the meetup. Yeah. Hopefully people can socialize and we won't have to like be 20 feet away in a restaurant. Like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, we'll Preaching have to- Bring some you know, some gifts for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. That, that would be, well, 
we got to do what we got to do. But yeah, so we, yeah. we'll have to connect whenever we're in Atlanta or whenever I'm in Atlanta and you're in the area, of course. So Absolutely. we um, we connected way back, kind of stayed in touch, and you've been on the live stream. So we like we're like, hey, we got to share your story here because it's just it's so interesting. So can you take us back? Like, where did you first get started, and when did you get exposed mm -hmm. to? niche sites and making money online and all that stuff. Oh, man. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've been following guys like Pat Flynn, um, Spencer Haas, John, Johnny Dumas, Gail from, you know, Authority Hackers, I'm quite sure. Yep. And um, as far as um, in SEO, guys like Neil Patel. I've been hearing about niche, niche sites for a little while. I wasn't so much a practitioner in, in that field at, at first. But when I started seeing results and started following case studies, it kind of got me to the, the mindset that, hey, did, you know what, this is a, there's something else out there other than just the typical job. And that kind of put me in a position of like, well, how am I going to get myself involved in this? So I, um, I didn't know too much about developing a website. These were back in the days of front page. I'm quite sure you're familiar with that. I didn't know HTML at the time, so I just picked up an HTML for Dummies book. <laughs> That's how I learned HTML. And I built my first website, which was god awful and I failed miserably. But the takeaway from that was that I, I found that, you know, I could actually build a website and there was some potential. So I had a second crack at it. Got introduced more into the WYSIWYG type of situation with WYSIWYG. That's like a platform where you can build a website and see it as you're building it. Yeah. You know, quite, it's, quite uh, sure you know about this. What you see is what you what, what, get. It's what you get, right. And um, that I built an, I actually, the, the first site that I got results with was a, was, a, was actually a hot sauce site. And uh, you know, I shared a niche with you. Uh, I don't know how profitable it is today. <laughs> I built a hot sauce site, and it was funny because I got I was doing like fifty thousand a month in traffic, and I didn't understand what traffic was. <laughs> but uh, I remember I was having some technical issues with the website, and I had called the hosting company at the time. What what was that? I think it was Start Logic or something. I don't know if you if you heard of that. Um, but it was a hosting company back in the day that I, I worked with. And the guy, um, he got so excited by my, my traffic numbers. And it, I didn't I didn't understand it at first, but he was like, you, you understand how much traffic you're getting and whatnot. And I didn't understand it. And I started doing my research and then things started, started clicking a little bit more. So, um, yeah, <laughs> just sharing a little bit of history with you. Yeah. What year was that? Oh my God! I, don't date me. It, it was quite a while ago. <laughs> quite a while ago. Um, I, I'm not good with the old dates and stuff like that. But um, it was this. Let's just say it was a. It was a while ago. It was early beginnings. Early beginnings. Early okay. beginnings. You. It yeah. wasn't on WordPress, but I'm just like fifty thousand. You know, visitors a month. Is that what you said? A month? Yeah. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm into hot sauce. I used to be like really mm -hmm. into like the hot sauce challenges and stuff like that. I don't know if you were, were you into it or? Oh, it wasn't so much the hot sauce challenges, but man, I'm like the spice guy. Obviously you can see I'm not missing any meals. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I just did something that I liked and I was interested in. And it was also about just building something that can, that, you know, change things a little bit for me financially. And it kind of worked. I think my highest, 
revenue at the point back in the day on building that site probably was, it was about six, $700 a week. And I know it's not much, but at the time it was for me. You know, it, it really, 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 really changed things a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I had some success in that and then site tanked. And, uh, you know, I went into eBay. eBay was the second shot at trying to do something online. And um, I, uh, you know, I, I wanted to become a power seller. I don't know if that's still around, the power seller thing or whatever. Um, quite sure it probably is. And uh, I actually reached that goal. And that also put some some light in my in my eye to say, well, you know what? There's a lot a lot of potential for making um, some real money online, and that's what led me into reading some websites, following websites, following guys like we talked about earlier, Pat Flynn, Spencer, and everybody, and kind of got got me to where I'm at now. Yeah. All right. And did you have that entrepreneurial spirit for like ever since you could remember, or did you pick this up like? Maybe it sounds like you you're fine with your 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 full time gig, but yeah, like what's the history with mm -hmm. you and starting businesses? I think it's always been like a dream of mine to actually be in control. And as you grow older, not I mean not everyone thinks like like I think, and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's the fact of having control. And I think for me, it's the, the first time you lose a job. It puts you in a mindset that, that you're thinking like what happened and you know, where did I go wrong? And the fact of you being dependent, you're depending on a company to provide income to you. They, they're the ones that's gonna choose where you live, what health benefits you have, how you're gonna feed yourself and your family. They have a lot of control over your life. So my mind now is just based on, you know, having a business puts me in control of everything. I make the decisions, the sky's the limit in terms of how much money and potential I have to to do whatever I want to do. And to me, that this gives me, it gives me fire every single day knowing that I'm in control. And that's, that's basically more important to me than anything else. So, yeah. yeah. A lot for me is around the time freedom. So, you know, you're, you're talking about control of what you're doing and being able to choose what you're working on and just understanding that, like, you're putting food on the table, you're earning the money based on your decisions versus, you know, just a cog in the machine. And then, like I said, for me, it really comes down to, you know, choosing what I want to do on, well, we're, we're sitting here on a Saturday morning, so this right. is normally, you know, we're working with your schedule here, Derek, but that normally I'd Appreciate be doing it. something else. Yeah, of course, I'm just <laughs> giving you a hard time, but you know, freedom with my day so that I could work out in the middle of the day or mm -hmm. you know, go shopping or do whatever I want when it's not crowded out because I don't want to be around a bunch of people and stand in lines, which, you know. Mm -hmm. Club introvert. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah. Um, yeah. that freedom with your time is so important. Cool, so let's get into the nuts and bolts of the site. I'm gonna ask a ton of questions about the content and I think people are gonna learn a lot because I know just some of the info that you sent ahead of time, like you're doing some interesting stuff. So how many right. posts are on your website? About 96, about 96 um, posts, about and, five pages. <laughs> okay, so yeah. got about 90 posts and then, so under 100, you're not getting a huge amount of traffic for the revenue that you're right. making. And right, right. do you have any 
like what, what's the secret behind that why is that two words high ticket i i see that a lot of people they're you know they sell you know products that are maybe twenty dollars or maybe thirty dollars or even fifty dollars and there's nothing wrong with that but the thing is is that you know, um, products like that is going to be based on volume in order for you to really make a lot of money. So my mind puts me in a position to say, wait a minute, you know, that means that I'm going to have to have a, a boatload of traffic in order for me to really make substantial money, money that enables me to live off of. So what is the workaround? The workaround is selling items that are a lot more expensive. And what I think that people don't really, maybe some people might not really think about is the fact that the same work that we put into selling a 20 or 40 to $50 product is the same work that we're going to put into selling a product that may be, be about $1,000. I mean, um, it's that simple. And that's just like going back to the hot sauce site, two, three, six dollars for a hot sauce. I mean, you have to sell heavy, heavy volume to get that $600 a week or so. But if you sell something that's more expensive, depending on how you're monetizing your website and what program you're using, because Amazon's not the only, the only um, show, the show that show around here, um, <laughs> you can make a substantial amount of money that's going to put you in a better position. So selling high ticket products for me is working out on Amazon. I mean, considering the fact right now, with the fee changes, think about the going from eight to three percent. That's a whole lot. But same sense of the fact of what's going on, I still am able to make over a hundred dollars a day. So I think that's still pretty decent. As far as the products are concerned, I mean, on average, I think I do about it, it kind of fluctuate, but I think about four to maybe six thousand dollars a day on the products that I'm selling. So, awesome. yeah. All yeah. right. So high ticket items and a lot of times, mm. not always, but most of the time when someone comes to me and they say, hey, I'm getting say 50,000 visitors a month and right. I'm not converting well and I don't know why and I, I'll double check, hey, is it a high ticket item? And they say, mm -hmm. yes, the average price of the product is I'm just making it up $800, but that is typically a sign that it's going to convert less. People are not going to buy as many. The, the buying cycle, the research time before a purchase is longer. So as devil's advocate, like how are you able to make these conversions? Why are people buying that much? Okay. All right. So I think that what, people don't understand, right? Well, now, I don't mean this in a disrespectful sense. I'm saying what many people might not have thought about is the, is the fact that you don't have to have a lot of traffic to make the money. You just have to really be niche specific in your keywords. You have to um, not just think about the buyer keywords, but think about what is the mindset of the, of the buyer, what they're actually looking for and position yourself to be in front because what we're just doing, we're just taking traffic, the, pe the people that are actually looking for the items already, and we're sending them over to Amazon. 
And based on that, I think, I think what's helping me a lot is the fact that I'm very strategic in my keyword research. I choose the keywords that I, um, that I put on the site very, very carefully. And I'm not just looking for the buyer keyword terms, but what's been helping me a lot is helping people through the problems that they're experiencing and what they're trying to do. And doing that as a strategy has been very effective to put me in, in front of that audience and to get those conversions because if I'm telling them, hey, you know, um, I see that you're looking for this blue pen and I have a better blue pen that writes a little bit better, has a finer tip and, you know, you should buy this because it's done this and that for me. They're going to probably take that advice, right? So that's kind of the mindset that I have and the higher, the higher ticket items, you don't have to have that large value. You just have to have that this specific crowd coming in that's looking directly for what you got to, to offer and put them in position of and to shoot them over to wherever you're monetizing it. Okay, very good. Yeah. And are you aiming at, and I'm just going to dissect that a little bit because I'm not 100% sure. So are you also targeting like informational and how-to articles? So if I'm a yeah. freckled bald man, how to, it wouldn't be what's the best hair replacement program. Right. It would be how to cover up the fact that you're bald. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. Like, uh, all right. Just, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, like, okay. For, for instance, if you talk about the, the baldness or whatever, or, or just like someone with acne, for instance, right. I think more in lines of pain point, like what is someone dealing with? If someone is, bald if someone is you know overweight like i'm a big guy <laughs> i could lose a couple of pounds but the thing is is that you know you, you you think about what everyone whoever it is is going through why do they need the specific thing and when you can think like that when you're doing your keyword research your keyword research is not just going to be best whatever it's going to be best solution for whatever and when you're when you're putting that on, on, on paper and then translating that into, you know, you're translating that into sales. It's going to, it's going to happen regardless. As long as you're solving someone's problem, people are going to respond to that a lot better. And, and in my opinion, from what I personally have seen from the results that I have right now. Awesome. Yeah. Uh -huh. For the mechanics of the actual content, can you tell us about the length, um, some, maybe mm -hmm. some of the formatting observations that you've mm -hmm. had and just how you approach the actual content posted on your site. Right. Typically about a thousand to 1500 words, sometimes depending on what the actual keyword is and what problem it's attacking, I might go up to 2000 words. I don't have to go too much further than that. There are times that I'll do 3000 words in terms of the structure of the actual articles, just general. Just, just if you're reading something like, uh, I can't look at look at the way Doug structures Doug, the way you structure your content, and you you structure your content somewhat like Doug. You have subheaders. You look at the word count, being consistent with that, your thousand to fifteen hundred words, and you're making sure that you're having pictures that has some links in them. You can use Amazon's links uh, that. You know, they Amazon is just really funny about how your 
you know, using pictures off of Amazon. So a lot of people just take pictures off of Amazon and you can't do that. You have to use Amazon's um, links that they uh, that they provide for you. And um, that puts you in a good, a good position to, you know, get the results that you're looking for with the content. That's what I've been doing. And I've been um, pretty, pretty happy with the results that, that I've been receiving from it. Do you put videos in as well? Not as much. One of the reasons why is because of the fact that with video, it you, it's kind of hard, number one, to find videos that don't have someone else trying to sell products. And they'll link off of your the videos that you put on the page, unless you're doing your own videos. And they'll make the sale and you won't. Um, does it help? Does it add value? Yes. But unless you really have the revenue to purchase the products that says I'm doing high ticket, I'm not going to spend that amount of money buying these products and then making videos around it. So I just tend to just forget about the videos right now and worry about the content. Serve my people by really, 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 really solving the problem, doing it in the best way, doing and being consistent with that. And that's been effective for me. Okay. Yeah. And to take a small step back and just highlight what you, you mentioned here, some people, especially people that are new to affiliate marketing, they often say, well, if you don't buy the products, how can you possibly write a review? You are just not adding value. So Derek, how are you adding value by publishing products that you don't even own? Okay. The thing is, is that, you know, one, there was a, was like a week or two ago, Doug introduced the world to this fantastic tool. <laughs> what is it called? Uh, Google? You might have heard of it. Google is your best friend. I've been using Google as my main tool, of my main resource in terms of studying about these products. My second go-to is YouTube, looking at how these products work, uh, the issues that people are having, and I uh, use those things to my benefit. I mean, it's, it's no different than you having the actual, whatever it is that you're selling in front of you. If you're researching it, you're, you're actually looking at it. You're not physically touching it, but you can if you need to. The stores are open again, if, you, if certain stores, that is. Uh, maybe just go to the store and put your hands on it. You know, feel around it. Um, nobody's looking. You might want to snap a picture of it, and you can just go from there. Uh, there's, there's ways around it that still gives you um, gives you enough information that you can utilize it and, and benefit from it. But I don't look at that as something that's going to keep me from giving a great review on a product. I try to just make sure that I research things and research them well, because if you don't, the end result is going to, it's not just going to be people that's not converting, but people, people like to write about things that they had bad experiences with. So I try to make sure that I'm always on point with that. And just, I get that question all the time. And I like to remind people that if you do, let's say you just go straight to Amazon and mm -hmm. I needed to get an external hard drive not too long ago. If you just try and look mm -hmm. for an external hard drive on Amazon, there's like a hundred thousand results, basically useless. It's like, how do you figure out if this is a, a recent model or one that is out of stock or not out of stock, but just an old model from like three years ago. So you kind of need a curated list mm -hmm. and it's very helpful to have that curated list. If you just want to, mm -hmm. you know, make a purchase and, and like not spend right. too much time, two, three days researching. So, so you have about 
over 90 posts, but less than 100 on your site. Can you tell us, did you mm. write the content? Did you hire some writers? How did you get all that content? Right. I wrote about three or four. <laughs> and then I uh, figured that, you know what, I, better better um, management of time would just be to hire out. So I outsource everything now. And that's really been um, helping me focus on other things instead of just focusing on being something that I'm not. I can work on the website on the back end. So, yeah, outsourcing has been a great help for me. Okay. Mm. And if you used an agency, don't mention it specifically, but did you use an okay. agency or are you hiring individual writers or how are you finding these folks? A little bit of both. Uh, one person that, I, that I'm working with right now has been with me a long time, but that has been based on a referral from an agency that I was working with. So that kind of worked that way. They referred the person to me, paid them right, and they will not leave, and I don't want them to leave. And I just actually, um, as of this week, hired on a new person from, I don't want to mention what website it is, but it's a really, 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 really well-known website. And um, they're charging a little bit more than what I want to share right now. But, um, I was really, really well-known website that serves a lot of people. So I, uh, yeah, things has been going good with outsourcing. All right. Yeah. And you, you broke up just a little bit. You basically just said that you hired a new writer and you're paying like more of a premium price. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I learned, um, you remember Neil Patel being on my show. Um, I had a, I had a show a while ago, guys. Um, I'm not going to talk about that too much right now, but the thing is, is that I had a conversation with Neil. Neil Patel is an SEO guy, really huge. You guys should know who he is. I don't have to edify him. But the thing is, is that he at once told me that he spends a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, if he had to spend anything, you know, but spend money on anything, it wouldn't be cars, whatever. It would be content. And that kind of stuck with me. It's like, man, this guy, he's... He's huge, you know, this This is a guy, like, I mean, he makes millions and millions of dollars, so if he's telling me that he's spending a lot of money on content, then who am I to think that I can spend just $20 or $30 or whatever? Might wanna have to go up a little bit, so my mindset's changed because of that. Now I'm seeing results off of good content, and that's kind of more or less, um, I hope, hopefully it's relatable to some of you guys that you know, it's, it's just an investment, and that's the mindset that I have. It's it's going to give me a return. So I spend anything that I have to pay if I that I can afford on content now. Cool. And can you tell us how much you're paying for, say, like a 1,500-word article? With the person that I have now, I usually pay her about $45 or so. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And I've been, you know, I've done a lot of content for different sites and hire different folks and i've you know worked with people that would write a thousand to fifteen hundred words for about you know fifteen twenty dollars and i've gone up to you know sixty so one writer that i've worked with for a few years i like her a lot i don't have to give her mm -hmm. any instructions she uploads directly into wordpress she does a great job and yeah so i'm paying like 50 60 bucks per article yeah. And all I give her is the keyword. It's great. Right. So. Yeah, it's like, you know, and it's also a training as well. It's, you know, 
when you hire somebody, you kind of got to put them into the mindset of what you need to be done. Um, if they don't have SEO experience, you might have to give them a little bit of training on SEO on how you want the keywords structured, um, the little changes that you might have to make instead of having so much keyword density that's so repetitive, you might have to change it up in the middle and and make sure it's in the first part of the the first sentence in 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 what you're trying to get across. So Google will not penalize you. But um, the training is very important to tell them exactly how you need your your um, your content structured, and after you do that from the beginning, when you first hire them, just like you would just say, Doug, you can just pretty much turn them loose. To, hey, I need fifteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand words, or whatever it is, and they can just boom, I take the keyword and they got it from there, and it's it's a really it really works out well. It awesome. does. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you figured out that you need to spend your time elsewhere and not so much on writing. As far as keyword sure. research, it sounds like that's sort of mm-hmm. the magic part. So can you tell us about your keyword research process? Yeah, I just look at I look at trends. I make sure that um, something is trending and not not taking a nosedive. If it's something that's taking a nosedive, and it's consistently going down, then I won't I won't work with it. When you're on, if you're using Amazon, one of the things that I do is that I look at how many reviews are on that particular um, product and how recent those reviews were. If you're looking at a product, for instance, that for instance that might have, you know, 50 reviews or or 500 reviews or a thousand reviews, and they're all from 2017, that might be an indication that. That might not be something that you would want to maybe sell or like push. And another way to to um, support that is to go into trends, and trends is going to also give you some some more feed on whether or not that product is is selling or that um that particular niche. If you're just starting out, is 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 a good, good niche to get into. You look at the trends, you look at what's selling currently, what has current reviews. And I use those as markers, whether or not it's something that I want to pursue and push. Awesome. Do mm-hmm. you use or consider the search volume at all? Because you just talked about trends. Not, not really. I look at this, the sell volume. <laughs> I look at how many, how many um, products are selling. I'm looking at how hot that, that particular niche is and whether or not it's a seasonal niche. And I also, I also stay away from seasonal stuff. I know that there's great things about, you know, great, great opportunity in terms of selling high volumes of products for a particular niche in certain seasons, but that's just for the seasons. Like if you're selling anything dealing with water, like maybe swimming, not pool items or whatever the case may be, that's going to be just for that, that particular season. What about the rest of the year? <laughs> so I try to stay out of that type of situation and put myself in a position where I have, you know, ever, evergreen products that's not seasonal. You know, it's more or less, it sells year round and it's consistently selling, you know, so that's kind of where I put my, put my, put my mindset into those type of um, products and those type of niches. Yeah. All right. So you don't consider search volume really at all. You, it sounds like you mainly look at products on Amazon and the trends and like Google trends. Is that how you're judging a trend? Yeah. Right, right, right. Go on to Google trends. And I've been using that as one of my main tools in terms of my research on the niche and 
also as well as keywords. Okay. I uh, use Google as well, just not just Google Trends, but Google. And there's a shopping area in Google that gives you some ideas of how you know the product value is going. You know what they're doing in terms of value. So I use that as well. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, and this sounds you know much different from you know a lot of people in my sort of industry, my peers and colleagues and that sort of thing where, you know, keyword research is pretty important and you need to know that people are searching for it. So you, it sounds like because you're using trends, you do know that some people are searching for it because there's data there, right? And is there right. a reason why you, you are omitting the search volume? I just found that just looking at search volume, it kind of, you know, it, it hasn't been too effective in terms of, for, far as for, for my particular niche, to give me an accurate estimate of like what that product might do in, in terms of the, the sales are concerned. And a lot of people, they are looking just at the volume instead of looking at the, you know, how, how much is selling, you know? And I think when you start to change that, you know, change your mind in, in terms of, you know, your thinking rather in terms of, I, you know, I just want a product that, you know, a, key, a keyword that's showing me that it's high volume. It's just high volume and not looking at more data, more history, then you're, you know, you're going to, you're going to spend a lot of money and, and, and put a lot of work into something that might not give you the end result that you're looking to have. When you do the research and you, you put a little bit more effort into your keyword research and products, then you'll start this maybe realize you know what this product might only you know it, it might only have a value of 50 but if you uh go into google and and look at the possibilities you lose you using the kgr like doug shows you properly and you'll see yes yeah, it's, it's only it's only 50 um on the value per month but there might be only one or two sites competing with that and you're doing your seo properly that you're gonna pretty much own that that keyword term, and you're gonna you're gonna just basically sell better than someone else, and you're gonna get the results that you're looking for. So it's more or less looking at the product value on how much it's selling and how popular it is. Again, that's gonna give you the you know the results that you're looking for. It's been working for me, and I'm gonna probably keep keep doing that. Cool. And I like it because, you know, number one, it's a bit against the grain. I know some other people for years, there's always, you know, not naysayers, but people who are going against the grain at any given time, people are trying stuff that is different and you, people are talking about search volume and they have for many years. And generally the big mistake, right? The big mistake I think people make is they think, hey, okay, I hear people, I hear Derek saying, I don't even look at search volume. So they just say, you know, forget it. I'm not gonna look at search volume and they forget to do the work that you're talking about. They don't do the trend sure. research. They don't look at the products that are selling. They don't look at the cyclical nature or maybe their old products that aren't even <laughs> selling anymore. So if you, you have to do some research somewhere. And I think that's really important because I, I know so many people that have sent emails, hey, I've worked on my website for two years, I have 200 posts, and I decided not to do keyword research. It turns out they're writing about stuff that no one cares about. 
but you're writing about things or right. publishing content rather that people are interested in and you can see it through other methods right. aside from keyword research volume. Okay, awesome. Let's move on to link building and promoting your site. What are you doing for link building? Mm -hmm. Right now, nothing. <laughs> I started to do link build, you know, go go further into link building because of the fact that it's definitely, it's something that Google looks at. I know that is a very important factor that we have to consider when we're building our websites. It's not just about the content, but having links going toward our sites to give us a better position than somebody trying to outrank you. But the thing is, is that, you know, um, I'm focusing more on the content right now. I am going to start outsourcing and getting getting some backlinks, but I haven't really been focused too much on that end of it uh, at this point, to be honest with you. I'm more or less focused on just the content, serving my people, making sure that I'm giving value. And that's more or less what I've been focused on that's been giving me the results that I have right now. Awesome. And do you... So link building in the future. All right. Well, it's good because some people, you know, they just, they are not going to do anything. And I think there is some value in promoting what you're working on, regardless of what it is, because you'll just get mm -hmm. a little more traction most of the time. Now, have you gotten any natural backlinks? Are there any backlinks just generally showing up? A couple here and there, not really good backlinks. Uh, maybe one, I can say that was a pretty decent one, but, you know, for the most part, not something that I would want to brag about or anything. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And <laughs> sort of moving on to some bigger picture kind of ideas, how has this website impacted your life? A whole lot. It brought me to the point of understanding my real true potential. Yeah, I've done stuff in the past and everything, but we're in a different time. And you know, when you stop doing stuff for a long time and you're going back into something and things has changed, you might not feel that, you know, you can actually win at this game. But when you um, change your mindset and really start doing some homework and putting in a little bit of effort, you start to have a little bit of self-discovery that you can do this. So, yeah, I guess that's a that's a factor. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that hits a lot of people exactly like you mentioned. You're like, oh, wow, I can do something on my on my own. And like you mentioned, mm -hmm. if it's been a while since your last one, it's like you got to mm -hmm. you got to do it again. You're only as good as your last whatever the sports analogy is, your last game, your last match, whatever it is. So very cool. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know. Do you want people to follow along with you anywhere specific and we can put links for all that stuff. I don't know if you want to keep a low profile or anything, which I 100% respect. I'm going to be relaunching uh, my podcast in a little bit. And I'll, I'll let you know when, the, but not nothing right now that I plan to share in terms of pointing you guys to, in my direction. All right, cool. Well, I know so, Derek is on yeah. the live streams on YouTube often just in the chat, so you can catch mm -hmm. him on there occasionally. And you gave uh, like a really strong opening remark where you really kind of explain how some people could replicate what you've done. But I want to give you another opportunity just right. in case um, you want mm -hmm. to mention some of those strong points again. But yeah, people are thinking, hey, I want to do yeah, what sure. Eric has done. What do you recommend? 
I recommend reading as, as many things that's going to give you some mindset training as possible. You know, the, there's certain steps that a lot of people might benefit from. Like one of the first things is it's just focus, you know, focusing on what you want to do overall. If you want to work a regular job, there's no right or wrong in anything. It's about what you want to do and listen to your friends, family, whoever. It's about what we want to do as individuals. So as long as you have a good support, good amount of people that support what your efforts are, or if they don't support what the efforts are, knowing who we are and going after whatever it is, you know, buying a course like what Doug sells would be a great start, considering the fact that it's going to give you some training to maybe go after niche sites if that's what you're that if that's what you're into and since you're watching it, it's some question sure that probably is another thing is figuring out the specific niche that you want to go into don't just go into a niche just because it's um something that you like necessarily but go into a niche that's going to give you what you want out of that niche if you're trying to build a business i um i know it might be backwards from what people always say go into something that you really really enjoy doing in terms of like if you're in hockey just going to something related to hockey but look at what the long-term results of whether it is that you're looking at doing could could give you and maybe consider that another thing studying your craft make sure that you um are applying some of the things that you're learning like what doug teaches don't just look at what doug teaches but become a practitioner and do the things that he tells you to do. I see a lot of times on the streams that people are asking the same questions over and over again. You gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta just get out there and just pull the trigger. So I guess that's pretty much what I have to offer in terms of my advice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome advice. Very good. Well, Derek, thanks a lot for joining us today, and we'll definitely uh, have you back on and chat with you whenever you're relaunching whatever it is you're gonna relaunch. Those Appreciate things, it. You know, it shifts, you know, it shifts once you figure out exactly when you want to get into. So pleasure to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Same here, man. Thanks, Doug. Thanks a lot to Derek. And if you have any questions for Derek, you can shoot me an email at feedback at Doug.show. I think could probably get Derek back on to answer some of those questions in the future. He is looking to, you know, grow and, and keep adding to the site. So I'm really curious to see where he'll be in six months, just in general. So should be pretty cool. So if you do have any questions, you can shoot me an email, feedback at Doug.show. I read all of those questions and I appreciate the folks that have been sending them in over time. I get really good feedback and just plenty of ideas for shows. Speaking of which, Amin actually sent a voicemail, although I'm not going to play it right here, but it was around uh, email marketing. And you may remember this, you know, a similar episode a while back where he asked about email marketing. And I don't know, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting because I love email marketing. And this is one of those areas that I not only passionate about, but I've been working on it very hard since I started online in 2013. I've been working on email marketing and improving the whole process from using the tools properly. Like I use Aweber personally, but using the tools properly, getting more people to sign up to your email list through more traffic and conversions and then expanding to different channels. And then even further, the copywriting that you have to do to get people engaged 
with your content and just build the relationship. So that's one of those areas that I, I really enjoy, but I don't talk about it much. And, you know, Amin has been pretty excited about it, which is, is cool. It's one of those fun things. And you hear a lot of people, you have to build an email list and you don't have to for every single niche, but there are some that are going to not work so well. Some are going to work fantastic, and a lot of it depends on the products that you have available to sell and the revenue that you can make from those products. So generally, if you're running an Amazon affiliate site, it's really hard to make money on the margins that you have because the commission rate, even before the commission rate change, was relatively low. So if you are, for example, pushing high-ticket physical items via drop shipping, right, then you have much higher margins. Or if you're working as an affiliate for a drop shipper, you probably still have much higher margins. So if you do have an email list, it does make sense. I don't know, I'm, I'm into email, so I'll probably pretty soon have uh, a few episodes about that. And it's highly likely I'm gonna be launching, well, I know I'm gonna be launching smaller courses this year. So we got a huge one coming up you know, the huge one coming up that I mentioned earlier in this episode, but I'm going to be launching smaller courses, courses that people have asked for. Some of them I've actually started and I have you know, 50% of the material done, but I just, for whatever reason, there was some other product that basically probably someone else's course, probably someone else's product that they were promoting. And I try not to promote too much. I try to you know, mention things here and there and provide a lot of value. And I try not to sell too much. But as I was doing that, I was like, oh, you know what? There's a lot of things that I want to teach, a lot of things that I want to talk about. But if I am promoting other people's products, then I don't have as much time to promote my own. Or I run the risk of just like selling constantly, which as far as email marketing goes, you don't want to sell constantly or even on this, you know, podcast. If I, you know, if I said, if I pushed really hard every single episode, you know, it would turn some people off. Now there's a balance and hopefully I'm some, I'm somewhere in that balance zone. But anyway, I'll probably be doing an email marketing course because I have a lot of experience and I've been into it and very involved for several years and I've used multiple tools. A lot of folks will go out there and tell you, oh, you have to use Aweber or you have to use ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign or GetResponse. And I've used several of them. And you know what? It's a commodity. I don't think it matters at all. People will tell you <laughs> that it matters so much, but 90% of what you need to do is fairly simple and fairly straightforward. You don't have to go, you don't have to go overboard and use all this segmentation, which that was what Amin's question was. He has like a hundred subscribers and I'll, I'll actually play this um, whenever I'm grouping up a couple of voicemails probably. But Amin basically has about a hundred subscribers. So he's making some progress and he's like, how do I segment these subscribers? Well, the answer is, you only have 100 subscribers, don't worry about it. You need to figure out how to get a lot more subscribers. 100 is nothing. If you send out an email, you will probably only get a couple dozen, if you're lucky, to even open the email. So 
don't even worry about segmenting. You're complicating things ahead of time, and you don't need to do that. And it's not your fault. I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, bashing you personally, but the problem is when you – actually, I was on a call the other day, and, um, and I heard someone saying – Hey, you know, you got to, you know, do the segmentation and you could do this really awesome funnel design and you could resell and upsell and, and blah, blah, blah. There was all these complicated things. And the person didn't even have that big of an email list, nor did they have enough traffic to build a big email list. And they didn't have the conversion points in place. So basically you could try to make things really fucking complicated, or you could just keep it simple. I've generally probably potentially to a kind of a, I don't know if it's a big fault, but to a fault, I have probably kept things so simple that they're not running as good as they could. However, I'm pretty sure I'm getting, well, number one, I'm happy and I'm not stressed out about, about that kind of stuff. So that's probably the most important thing. But the second part is I'm probably getting 85%, maybe 90% of the results through the simplicity and then I'm able to focus on other areas like getting more traffic, for example, versus like segmenting my audience in the very best way. It, it doesn't even matter, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter. So the whole point, the whole point is don't worry about it. I mean, you don't have enough of a list to worry about it. You probably don't even have enough traffic to be building an email list and worrying about it. If you just have a regular affiliate site, you shouldn't even worry about it, man. You're wasting your time, in my opinion. But that is no way to talk for someone who may be selling an email marketing course for niche and authority sites. So I need to perhaps watch what I'm saying here. The, the real deal is it's fun to work on, and I probably mentioned that. It's fun to do this stuff. Again, I love email marketing and I've learned a lot. You learn a ton of skills about copywriting and user design and certain things that are important and certain things that are just not important. And I will sort of wrap it up and say, if you are enjoying it, that's reason enough. If it's, if it's something you're enjoying and, and learning and you'll be able to grow into it as you are, you know, getting way more traffic in the future, fantastic. You'll have the pieces in place. So when you're getting 10 times more traffic, you'll be getting, you know, 15 times more email subscribers because you're developing those skills. What I will mention is if you have your own products or you're planning on selling your own products, then building an email list and only having 100 subscribers is totally fine. I need to look back at the data, but when I launched Niche Site Project, I launched it knowing 100% that I was definitely going to sell a product within the first six weeks. In fact, I had people sign up for the email list and I quickly tried to get them engaged to buy something. So if you are actually selling your own product, whether it's physical or digital or if you're doing consulting or something like that. But if you're selling your own product and all of the revenue coming in is yours, then a hundred people is great because there's no, there's no middleman that you're having to pay out. And actually you are only taking the small percentage. If you're selling your own product, 
then it totally makes sense that I need to look back because I, I think I do have this data, but I think I had a few dozen people sign up for my email list. I'm not sure if it was over a hundred or not. And this is back in the fall of 2013. So I don't remember how many people signed up, but I do have the data so I can look back. I sold an ebook. I think I sold 13 spots and I was, I think it was about an average of a hundred dollars per. So I made over a thousand dollars from a small list. Of course, if you, if you multiply that out to a much bigger list, like uh, my email list is over 10,000 right now, which is you know good for me. That's, that's great. Things are going well. That's uh that's a lot more than I had a couple years ago. And when I send out an email, you know, a couple thousand people will read that email. It's really cool. And if I sell something, a couple, you know, couple people are going to buy things. So if you're selling your own product, email list doesn't have to be that big. You can reach out directly to people. You can find out what they want, find out what they're struggling with, all of that. But if it's affiliate marketing or something where you're, not earning as much per transaction you have to make sure that either you number one enjoy it or number two that the margins will support the cost that you're putting into the email list okay so kind of went off there but i love email marketing so i mean people should do it it's really fun i love being able to uh, reach out to folks and like i said just send an email out and find out hey what, what are people interested in and have the interaction and build the trust out there. So anyway, let's see, what episode do we have coming up here? Next episode coming up is going to be a solo episode. I've been doing a lot of uh, interviews and that sort of thing lately. And this one's going to be a solo one. I'm going to talk about myself because I was recently featured on the CNBC website. It was huge. It's my biggest coverage so far was cool enough where I told my parents about it and my siblings as well. So they were impressed and then they read the story and it was all about the Amazon affiliate commission rate change that we've been just beating into the ground here recently and I'm ready to talk about something else. But next week I will be talking about it more and the feature. And the thing is, I, I had some folks reach out to me going back to the email list some people sent me an email. They're like, dude, this is fantastic. You're going to blow up now. Like there's going to be so much more um, traffic and all that. You're going to just, I mean, you've arrived, my friend. You know, a lot of people said that and I appreciate all the comments, but I have some stuff to share. I can tell you about the additional traffic and just what happened after I was featured on CNBC. And... I'll talk about how I got hooked up with the writer and just behind the scenes on how to get featured on a big publication. And actually, I'll summarize it really quick. Start a blog, write for seven years, start a podcast, do a YouTube channel, and then keep working for about five years. And then you'll probably figure out a way to get featured on a news station like that. And it was just the the website version, right? For a second, I thought it was going to be on TV. I was like, oh, I hope my office is set up good. I'll have to polish my head up really good that day. But it was just the print version, which is fine with me. You know, that's, that's totally cool. So anyway, next week, we got 
solo, talking about myself, CNBC. Have a great day out there. We'll talk to you in the next episode.